0: Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. On today's episode of Rennie Podcast, we are so happy to have Alison Masrek join us. Allison is a small space advocate and a consultant with a goal to help people use their homes more effectively and efficiently by providing creative and practical solutions to every square foot or space, or in Allison's words, to make every inch of their home count. Allison has spent the last 12 years living in a one-bedroom, 600 square feet apartment in Mount Pleasant. At first, it was just her and her husband, but over the years, as her family grew to now a family of four, she has been making that same space work for her. In advocating for small spaces, Allison has decided to share her journey with everyone and started a much-loved blog and Instagram account that now has a growing community of over 34,000 followers and a very fitting name, 600 square foot and a baby. Thank you, Allison, for joining us today. We're so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. So let's just get right into it, Allison. What has compelled you to start this blog and to cultivate a community around small living?
1: I think it was driven by uh, fear ultimately when I was pregnant with my first, um, I was just combing the internet, trying to figure out how to stay in our one bedroom apartment. Um, And everyone was telling me I had to move all my coworkers, a lot Mm -hmm. of friends, everyone was saying like, there's no way you can stay in your one bedroom apartment with a baby. And me and my husband, Trevor thought well, we can and we're going to, but I didn't know how. And so I just made a promise to myself that if we could make it work and we were comfortable and happy living in our small apartment with a baby, then I would share about it because I just felt so alone at that time trying to figure out how to do it. And I thought I just owed it to the internet, I guess, to share. And I'm still doing it this many years later, just because I found this community of people that, you know, we're living small, maybe not by choice, maybe by choice, like there's everyone has different reasons for living small, but being able to share um, that sort of joys and struggles with other people has been like a really wonderful thing.
0: That's really interesting to hear because yeah, there is a lot of pressure that people feel once they start to grow their family and everyone will just start asking you what's when are you moving? What's the next step? You must need a bigger place. Why do you feel that there's a stigma or
1: this pressure attached to, you know, having to upsize after you decide to grow your family? I like to think it's gotten better in the seven years that we've lived small with kids or almost eight years now. But when we first started i felt like especially in vancouver i think it has a lot to do with um, housing prices and density so other cities like european cities or new york i feel even san francisco there's just a more of a it's more accepted that you would live small as a family and a lot Uh of families do it comfortably Uh and happily but in vancouver our prices have like increased so much in a very short period of time and the density has increased in a short period of time. So I think it's just taking more time in Vancouver for everyone to wrap their heads around that like not everyone is gonna be able to afford a single family home. And then how how is your life gonna look if it doesn't look like how you thought you were going to live with a family that you assumed you were gonna have three floors and a backyard and a garage. Like most of us aren't gonna have that. So how do we still have the life that we want without all that extra space,
0: Allison. How do you navigate the pressures of your friends or society that might have placed on you to to move into a
1: larger home? I think it used to affect me a lot more, and now I just don't care. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> come with well, it's come with um, time and like knowing what my family needs and and what I'm able to or what we're able to provide for them. And I feel like our kids have a really good life, you know, and they're very privileged. (laughs) They live in a beautiful city. They have a roof over their heads. They have food, you know, whether they Mm -hmm. have their own bedroom or a backyard or whatever, they don't have those things, but they don't want for much. And I think it used to affect me more when I just didn't know if we were doing a good job or, and that can be really hard when people are telling you that like, oh, you know, my son's really energetic, spirited child. And I would have people say like, you shouldn't keep him in this small space. You know, mm-hmm. that's not right. And <laughs> that was hard to hear, but we've learned, you know, that we can put him in activities and we can go to parks and we can go biking. And there's like, there's ways to give your children what they need, regardless of the exact square footage of your home. And so I've just become more passionate about like making sure other people don't feel that judgment and I think it's also just about educating people that it's possible that's really interesting to hear because
0: I feel like there is that uh, kind of set expectation from others who they put on themselves. So they automatically kind of put that pressure and that expectation on other people. So yeah, it's good to hear that you don't care about what other people are thinking right now, because in an instance right now, we really shouldn't be um, thinking about what other people are thinking, but more so just what works best for you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I just wanted to go into um, talking about what the benefits of, of living smaller, have you found what those benefits might be for you and your family?
1: Yeah, I think, especially in the early days, like with a newborn and a toddler, like it was really nice to be close by, you know, like it was nice to be able to hear and see everything. And so the kids were actually like safe and you, I got, you know, we got to know each other really well in that small space. And um, I think just, our space has really taught us or our former space just taught us about priorities, you know, like we couldn't have everything. We can only have a certain number of things and, you know, prioritizing what really mattered to us that could remain in our space. And then in the ways that our space like couldn't serve us, how, how can we look outside of our space to get those things that we need?
0: And did you find it very challenging to be able to navigate through that?
1: Yeah, for sure. It, t- it took some like creative space planning. It took, um, you know, like a real stock of like what actually matters. I feel that, you know, at the time it saved us money by staying in a one bedroom apartment as a family. So we were able to afford things that we maybe couldn't afford if we had gotten a huge- bigger mortgage that was like outside of our means. We were able to travel a lot as a family, which was you know, a priority for us. And we didn't have to commute because we were, you know, working close to our home and walking everywhere. I feel like (laughs) I do find it hard now in COVID times, you know, those Mm -hmm. same things that worked so great um, for small living a few years ago are some of the things that make it really challenging now and like acknowledge that for families and single people that are struggling living small right now. It's hard when you can't use your city as your backyard or you can't use local businesses to support, you know, what you might not be able to provide for yourself with your small space.
0: And Have you found this particularly challenging during COVID for yourself in your small space?
1: Yes and no. Like I feel very lucky that the beginning lockdown was easier for us to navigate because of our small space and our bills were so manageable, that we were able to just focus on, like, how do we not have childcare or school and how do we, you know, minimize the impact on the kids? Um, And I feel while it was hard because we were all on top of each other and it was, you know, nearly impossible to work when having two kids at home in a one bedroom, but I also feel like it was a chance to just sort of focus on what we could be in control of when... The world felt very out of control
0: did you find any solutions that you felt that worked for you that you think that other people could possibly benefit from um, any tips from your end
1: <laughs> oh that's a big uh, um i don't know if i have i don't know if i have answers for how to navigate a pandemic in a small space i think everyone's just um Doing their best and figuring out, you know, I'm hearing people are taking phone calls in the bathroom, putting in (laughs) the patio, um, hiding in the closet, like all of those things. Um, Yeah. And also just getting outside where you can get outside and be in a big open space and out of your house when you need a break. Yeah. Yeah. Working from home with children in a pandemic in a small space is like it's truly like impossible and I don't want to pretend that it's an easy thing for anyone to be doing.
0: those who are currently living in a smaller space but want to be able to um, stay within their space and um, utilize the space better where do you think that they can start
1: yeah i think um, to start is like take stock of what's in your home currently and whether it's serving you so you have a certain amount of furniture right now you know could you do with less like what are the pieces that are you're using and you're using regularly And also like are potentially beautiful or really useful like what are those items and then what are the items that are taking up precious space in your home but aren't really providing either like joy or or usefulness and um and then i feel like on a larger scale just rethinking how you use your space so I feel like a lot of uh, layouts could be used differently. For example, like giving up the main or larger bedroom for the kids' room and the adults moving into the smaller bedroom because the kids then get a larger play area, which is you know important when they're younger. And adults, I feel like we only really use our bedroom to sleep and we don't need the same play area that the kids have. In our space, we had a wall bed. so you know, we gave up our bedroom and uh, moved into our living room where normally that would be where someone would put a dining table and we moved the dining table into the kitchen. So our kids were able to share a bedroom that was also doubled as their playroom, which also held our main closet. And then we had a wall bed in the living room and that served us for seven years without you know, much struggle. So it was just um, reimagining how you can use the square footage that you have and don't be limited by, you know, conventions of what a room should be or what a closet should be or even what a piece of furniture should be.
0: So you shared, you know, a few of your tips of how you utilize uh, your small space and make it um, multifunctional. Are you able to share some more tips on how others can achieve the same thing?
1: Just using the rooms in your house, and I guess I say rooms loosely because most apartments are just open square boxes, (laughs) Um, but using furniture and rooms for multi purposes. So for example, like our dining table, it's where we eat, it's where we do homework, it's where crafts happen. It's sort of an everything space. So I find a lot of times when I'm talking to people about their spaces, you know, it might be like, oh, I I really need, you know, a setup for the kids to do art in this corner. And then I also need a setup for art for them in their room. And I also need you know, this area over here for toys and sort of like streamlining all of that and being like, OK, so we need art supplies. Where can we put art supplies that are accessible? And then all the art is going to happen at the dining table because the reality is we don't have room for additional like multiple pieces of furniture in the space. And I think also incorporating like kids items As kids, you know, grow and they have more things that they need, I don't think it necessarily means that you have to, you know, fill your living room with toy storage or that you have to, you know, have a kid corner. You know, it doesn't have to take over the whole house that you can be storing or holding kids things in the living room, but it could be in a regular piece of furniture that suits your living room. Does that make sense? Like a, like yeah. a slide board that looks like a beautiful piece of furniture, but inside is all the art supplies and the Lego, you know, so that everyone knows where things go. And also the kids know where they go back to. And I'm not saying that they will clean up after themselves, but <laughs> if everyone in the house knows where everything belongs, like that's a way to help keep a small space in order. I find small spaces are easy to clean up, but there's like sort of this constant tidying that's going on. So yeah, fast cleanup, but constant because it doesn't take very long for a small space to feel cluttered. And I find that the key to that is, is knowing that everything has a home and everyone in the home knows where that spot is.
0: So I was reading up on your philosophy of how when you purchase one new thing, one one thing that you currently have has to go. Have you recently purchased anything new that you thought that you had to get rid of something?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. I feel like we just recently moved into a slightly bigger space and I'm struggling. Like it's hard because you do need new things in a new space. Like I tried to make as much work in our space as possible because part of living small is like i loved almost everything that was in our home like every piece of furniture was carefully chosen the art everything like it took years but we got everything whittled down to just things that we really love and work for us but now that we're in a new space like some things aren't working and you know we haven't quite figured out a spot for everything and it just really like reconfirms for me that the old systems worked really well and I need to like get them going in our new space, like really soon because um, yeah, as soon as you lose those, those places for everything, and it can be really easy. Like I'm not necessarily a very, super tidy or organized person. But if I know that when I walk in the door, my mail goes into the mail folder, you know, and then I deal with it when it's time to deal with it and that the shoes go in the shoe closet, you know, like when you have those things, you don't have to be super organized and super tidy because, you know, we know we all have like a lot going on right now. We need really simple, easy ways to keep our spaces working for us
0: yeah, and I, I feel that this comment really resonates with me too, because I currently just recently just moved, and you know things are chaotic, especially when there's children involved. and if things don't have a designated spot for it, it definitely gets really messy, really quick. things get really crazy. and you know, it just makes things so much more complicated trying to find stuff and organize things. So um, I definitely feel that your comment on that is something that can be incorporated into everybody's lives just to make it easier all around. Um, so you've been doing your blog and then you have your Instagram page. And how is that incorporated in starting into your own consulting business?
1: Yeah, I've been sharing for a really long time. And then I was trying to figure out, I was getting so many very specific questions from people like a lot in my DMs or I would get these like really beautiful emails and I just couldn't keep up with all the questions I was getting. And I tried to like incorporate by what I share about our life hoping that it would help other people, but sometimes it's easier if you can actually like sit with that specific person and help them with their space. So it was actually brought on by COVID and feeling like I couldn't keep up with my other, um, work. And so when I took the time off with the kids and then once they went back into school, finally, I was able to launch consulting services. So basically I, did it virtually, which I don't know if I would have had the guts to do if our whole world hadn't turned virtual, because I would have felt like I would have to be in someone's space. But I'm realizing that by sending photos and floor plans and like showing me around their space by video, um, basically, we spend 90 minutes together on a call, um, just talking about all their small space challenges. And it could be wanting to edit a bunch of possessions, or it could be that they've already edited everything and now they're trying to add some storage or they want help with furniture. I find like each one is unique to that person. And I just find like being able to connect with people on that personal basis. And then I sort of give them a list of suggestions and actionable items. And then they go away and do it themselves when they're ready or when they have the budget or, you know, sometimes it's purchasing new things. A lot of times it's actually just removing things from their space.
0: So would you say that that's the most common, uh, I guess you could say, situations that people are in when they're dealing with a small space and need that uh, extra editing in their lives? It's just taking out things that they're not using and utilizing?
1: I would say that it's quite individual, but I would say that there's like themes across spaces. And I think what surprised me most with doing a lot of them now is that the challenges are similar. Like whether you have 500 square feet, you know, with a baby or 500 square feet and three kids up to even 1500 square feet as a family. Like I find that everyone's having the same challenges with like non functioning entryways or not maximizing closet space, or um, how to share kids' rooms so that kids are more comfortable, or the same idea of like, you know, being willing to give up your bedroom, like whether that means getting a sofa bed or a wall bed, or just taking over a smaller room. I think just like creative solutions regarding space planning, but also really evaluating the clutter in your life and figuring out you know do you need that clutter if, if you mm-hmm. do then like where where is it going to live so that it's mm-hmm. not making your space feel smaller and uncomfortable
0: you constantly practice this lifestyle of editing items from your home how do you engage your children in this process
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, I would say we did start them really young and I would say it's it's also just a part of our sort of like ethos of our family that we will often speak, not just specifically about the kids, but about us. Like I'll say things like, you know, I like that sweater, but I don't need another sweater because I have my two favorite sweaters and I don't need another one, you know, or I'll be like, I'm going to save up and buy this lamp because I really want this lamp or I don't use this lamp anymore. So I'm going to um, give it to someone who would really like this lamp because I don't need it anymore. And then because I've given this lamp, then I'm going to think about a new lamp. Like it's just something we sort of like speak out loud about and we have since the kids were young. And then I feel like specifically with the kids which was much easier when they were younger, I would say we're purging every, you know, the first goal is to like not allow things into your home. Right. So especially when they're younger, it's harder now, but we would, you know, not go to the toy store. We don't go shopping. Like those are not like activities that we're doing, you know, so it's not a part of our life to be like wandering the toy store because i feel like going to those things or watching commercials it just makes you want things that you don't need so i feel like instead if the kids are like we want to go to the toy store it's like no we're going to go to the park you know we don't need we don't need anything we have everything we need and then we would purge i would say like or we still do like once a month or every two months depending on like the season and i would involve the kids in the process so it'd be like hey guys We're starting to have too many toys in this room. I'm seeing that you're having trouble cleaning up your toys. You know, that's how I know when we have too many things, if it's too much work to put them all away because they hate cleaning. Right. So every time they complain about cleaning, I'll be like, Mm -hmm. oh, I guess you have too many toys. (laughs) Let's let's take a look at what we have and what we don't need. More and oh, I can clean up, clean up. Yeah, I totally use that too. But <laughs> I like really follow through on it. So you have they to, you have to. <laughs> they're really scared when I say it. Um, wow. But I make them go through the process of picking out three to five toys that they want to give to another, I say to another kid who might like it more than you and often like reminding them of how grown up they are, you know, so like, Oh, you know, are there any baby toys that you don't play with anymore? Are there any younger kid toys that you, you still love, but you don't play with anymore that we could pass on to someone else? And the only um, caveat I would say with that is they often pick the toy that you wish they wouldn't pick.
0: That's funny. My, my kids, when I do that, they often pick their other sibling's toy. To <laughs> That's sneaky. Mine
1: haven't tried that yet. I'm, Sometimes okay. you just got to resort to doing it while they're sleeping. <laughs> they don't notice. They have so many things, right? I do that too. Like before I used to be more organized and I would actually like have a box up in the closet and put a bunch of toys away in that box and then like rotate them out. But I found as the years went on and the kids got bigger and they kept having more things because it's harder to control like gifts and all of that. I just found like it just left. Like it's Mm -hmm. just gone. And every now and then they notice and you know, you say sorry or you say it's lost, you know, but I just feel like what I've noticed time and time again is that they do their best and longest playing when they have less toys in their room, when they have Mm -hmm. fewer things and when the things that they have are more like creative and open-ended like Lego or costumes or blocks or Mm -hmm. anything that involves like building or like May has a dollhouse with all this little furniture and little figures, and she'll sit and play at that for like hours. But if they have just like piles of stuff, generally things just get dumped out. And then their Mm -hmm. room is such a mess that they just walk away and say they're bored. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of guilt associated with giving kids toys away or removing things that mean a lot to them. Like I hear that so much, but I think if you can like, remember that, actually having less things creates better and longer play and that we even know as adults like if we are in a calm space and we don't have a thousand decisions to have to make that we're we feel better too so I feel mm-hmm. like it's, just, it's that kind of thing we're like actually I know best in this situation and yeah and every now and then, like we're still very you know, we're not wanting for anything. If you did happen to give away a toy that really meant a ton to them, you know, you donated that My Little Pony that like turned out to be their absolute favorite. Like you could get another My Little Pony. Like you'll see <laughs> in you, the world,
0: you know? Yeah. <laughs> what would be some criteria for yourself when you are editing out certain things in your home for one thing to come in and in order for one thing to leave?
1: Hmm, I feel like it's been a, a learning process. And I do feel like as I have filled our small home with things that are um, well-made or local or sustainable, or I feel connected to the company that made them, I find it harder to like, let go of things. And I feel like that means like this process is like finally working you know y- years and it's not something that I feel like you can do quickly it's something you have to do slowly and carefully and in terms of kids things it, do you mean kids or do you mean more like furniture I guess it's both <laughs> or clothes
0: <laughs> anything I guess right <laughs> I know clothes is definitely, I've heard the the saying that if you haven't worn it in the past year or even two years, then you're probably never going to wear it again.
1: Definitely. Right? I think that's so hard right now because of the pandemic, everyone's like wearing the same thing over and over again, but I think that's kind of better, right? Like that's actually how I've been living for quite a few years now is just having, mm-hmm. you know, knowing your uniform, knowing what looks good on you and you like and suits your, current lifestyle and then just wearing it over and over again and if it's well made you know it can handle that many washes and then you can justify maybe a higher price tag on something that's sustainably or ethically made because the cost per wears is so low usually i regret a purchase that was fast and cheap and was because i was being impatient and i wasn't waiting to find like the exact right thing that i end up wearing you know Mm-hmm. 150 times before I'm ready to like let it go and I find even the same thing with kids clothes like we're lucky that we get to have some beautiful locally made clothes for the kids to wear but I just find like time and again they're like they're lasting so long they don't stain you know you get to pass them on to one kid and then on to friends kids and mm-hmm. and again it's just like simplifying everything so there's less choice. I feel like less choice is like one of those really like nice side effects of small living.
0: And has this less choice, um, giving you more options to do other things? Um, Before the pandemic,
1: yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess this this question is not very fitting for the current situation right now. But yeah, like prior to the pandemic, how did you find that living small
1: has changed your lifestyle? Yeah, I don't even know if I would say it's changed my lifestyle because I've been doing it for so long. I almost forget how we used to live before. But yeah, I think before the pandemic, you know, I could go out for coffee or like work at a coffee shop and that would be you know an expense that wasn't a big deal because of how we were living small you know that that was something that we could i could choose to do as a treat you know or i can sign the kids up for classes or we can go on a trip like all of those things really like were possible because of the choice to like live in a smaller space with lower overhead and then also to just not have as many things like we, we weren't shopping or we aren't shopping because we have nowhere to put it you know and then when you sort of make that habit shift that you don't shop when you're sad or when you're happy or when you're bored what is possible when you aren't doing that you have to find other ways to deal with your emotions and you have to find other ways to celebrate
0: And what are those other ways that you use instead of shopping or (laughs) things that typically people would be doing um, to celebrate something in their life?
1: Yeah, I think like consumables are always a great option, like flowers, like fresh cut flowers or plants. Um, I guess you don't consume plants, but plants are another one um, like wine or coffee, baked goods like you know or um an experience which again are like harder to do right now but you know a facial going up to that Scandinavian spa or like a night at a hotel alone like think of like mm-hmm. what mom wouldn't want a night at a hotel alone rather than like another outfit like please just <laughs> send, me send me to the hotel now <laughs>
0: What do you see next for yourself? You know, I see, know, that you you currently you moved right recently to a little bit of a bigger space. Um, you have your blog and your Instagram and you're doing consulting. Where do you see yourself next? And what's the next moves for yourself? Oh, gosh,
1: I feel really overwhelmed with our new <laughs> space at the moment, and I don't know what I don't know what's next. I guess I felt It was time to get a little bit more space. And we felt, I feel like it was somewhat pandemic related, just like everyone feels like they need a change at the moment or a little bit more space. But um, our kids are seven, almost eight and almost five. So we felt like we were coming up on, and it's a boy and a girl, which I know gender is also a construct. But in this case, I felt that we do need... You know, to eventually give them separate rooms, I think, as they become like preteens or at least some amount of privacy. I always like to remember that um, Michelle Obama just had a curtain between her and her brother growing up and look how she turned out. So I really think everyone Mm -hmm. is going to be okay. But um, we moved into about a 900 ish square foot two bedroom taking a lot of our lessons from living in a one bedroom with four people. And we, we brought our wall beds with us and I just see a lot of potential in this space that we could stay here potentially forever um, because we can, you know, use our wall bed to make our room do more for us than just a bedroom. And then also the kids room in this particular unit. I feel like there's a way to creatively split up the room so that you know whether it's with a divider wall or a shelf or wardrobes. I'm not sure yet, but it has the potential to split up their room so they can each have a little bit of privacy. But yeah, we've only been here for a few weeks, um, so right now I'm uh, in the middle of renos and updates and. Um, trying to take all the lessons that we learned in our 600 square foot and apply them here. And I actually find while there is like a little more room to breathe, a lot of the like space challenges are still there, like storage, you know, finding a spot for everything, like every small space. Like I know 900 square feet is not small by maybe international standards, but I think by Canadian standards for a family of four, it's still pretty small. Yeah, just trying to find, you know, where do we drop our keys and where do the coats go and how do we make it feel like us?
0: If you were to design your own dream space, what would that look like? What type of criteria and elements would you want to incorporate into it?
1: I love that question. That's a fun way to think because I do think. You know you are limited in the city of like what is possible or you know what kind of small space is available and i feel that um, my dream scenario would be high ceilings throughout the whole space a window in every room i also think i i really like i think there is so much value in living small like I think about a 1,000 to 1,200 square feet is all any family really needs. If you have the elements of like an outdoor space, good light, you know, and a well laid out space, I think that we all could be happy with that amount of space. And so I guess I wish that there was more options. For example, like four units on a plot of land and everyone gets that thousand square feet in a shared backyard. I feel like that's sort of the dream. And I'm Mm -hmm. always trying to like find that, but you have to find it within like the condo or strata structure. Um, Mm And I think just less, you know, maybe not everyone agrees, but less single family homes and more like either multi-generational homes or, you know, a strata single property that makes, living possible for four different groups of people with Mm -hmm. those shared amenities that you don't, so that, you know, everyone sharing one lawnmower or everyone sharing one trampoline or whatever. So it's like, we're all buying less things. We're all saving, you know, contributing to a lower carbon footprint because we're using one space for that many people. I just think that would be the ideal scenario. And it's actually why I still like, I still feel I, you know, I moved to another condo because one, like that's what we can afford, but also I actually really like, you know, having to interact with our neighbors and having to share common spaces and, you know, seeing how other people live and like there's a sense of community from that. So I mm-hmm. I guess for me, small living isn't necessarily like my dream small space isn't on an empty piece of land, you know, with a tiny home and giant acreage like it is, you know, being involved in the community and and part of a like bigger piece of the city.
0: You've made a conscious decision to stay within the city. You know, you're doubling down in the city again. You know, what are, you know, some of your reasons for staying in the city and not moving to the outer areas and being able to possibly get more space for your money?
1: Yeah. Was that a crazy move? I don't know. (laughs) I feel like time will tell. Um, No, I, I really, we still felt That even in the pandemic and all the challenges that came with the past year, that our reasons for living in the city were still valid for us, like a walkable lifestyle, that we don't need a lot of space to be happy, you know, and that like diversity is really important to us. You know, we want to live um, in neighborhoods where there's all kinds of people all races all income levels like I want my kids to be able to experience all different types of people and walks of life um different age groups everything and not to say that you couldn't get that outside the city I just feel that it's still possible in the city and I hope that's the case I would say the hardest part about doubling down in the city is that You know, a lot of people are leaving the city and it's a hard thing as a family that's working really hard to stay in the city that, you know, you become friends and attached to people and then they leave. And I, you know, Mm -hmm. moving from one neighborhood where that happened a lot and now moving to another neighborhood that possibly that's going to happen as well. I would say that's a real that's a real concern for me. And I guess that's why I'll keep advocating for small city living for families and I hope that we're not the only ones I hope other people want to stay we still believe in it and we still you know want to support the small businesses that make our city so amazing and you know you can't really beat our nature and everything that's like at our fingertips but I also know it can be a really hard city to live in and make a living in and it's not easy for us either but um we're still trying. Please try with us.
0: <laughs> I think the key word is really just, just trying, right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your journey and your experience with us. For all the listeners who are listening, you know, where can they come and find more information about you if they're interested in, in living small or just getting to know
1: you better? Yeah. My website is 600squarefeet.com, but it's like, six zero zero sqft.com. And yeah, I share a lot on Instagram at 600 square feet and a baby. My consults are available on the website. And there's a lot of hopefully helpful information on that website. So then you hopefully can get the information that you need to like live small or like at least find some like minded people.
0: Thank you so much. Um, I love your blog post, by the way. So for all those that are interested, feel free to go and check out Allison's um, pages. And thank you again so much for being with us today. Um, and thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. The Rennie podcast is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on Rennie.com.